Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Spoiler Alert Podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny. And tonight we're going to be discussing the Academy Award winner for Best Picture from 1932, Grand Hotel. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Mike. How about yourself? I'm doing just fine, thank you. This was the fifth film to win the Best Picture Award. And if you can believe this, it was the only nomination that the film received. The only film in history to boast a Best Picture statue with only one nomination. Isn't that insane? No no other nominations. No other nominations, of course, in today's Academy world. Uh, Typically, the Best Picture favorite entering the race is usually the one with the most nominations. Often walks away with the most statues for the night. But it was a different world back then. I think they only had about maybe 10 categories. Weird that actor and actress, there were only three nominees, you know, not even five there. So, and I think this was even back in the day when the awards were all pre-announced anyway. So the, the ceremony itself was just basically an excuse to have some drinks and get dinner and pat each other on the right. back. They'd, they'd already been released prior to that. But uh, definitely an interesting thing. And the last film to win Best Picture without a Best Director nomination until Driving Miss Daisy came along in the late 80s. So no, wait, that, really? That's how weird this really was. And of course, there were like 10 Best Picture nominees back then too, right? Like three for actor, three for actress, 10 for picture. Yeah. And, and if you look at the other categories from that year, most of the other films had... Other nominations, the big the big films being uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Aerosmith, Shanghai Express, uh, boasting multiple uh, nominations that year. But you know, it was a different different era, of course. For sure. Now, is it true there were also uh, was there a tie for the best actor category, the best leading actor? Yes. Has that ever happened again or prior to this? Because that seemed really strange to me. I thought that Barbara Streisand, when she won Best Actress, tied. But I, in for Funny Girl in the 60s, but now I can't remember for certain. There, there's, uh, there have a, definitely been other ties in, in Oscars. How big of a loser do you have to feel if oh. there are three nominees for Best Actor and two of them <laughs> win and you're the third guy? <laughs> Right? Like, it's one thing if it's like, okay, one out of five, one out of five, you clap. But it's you're, like, you're really? The, they, you're the they one loser. To, yeah. To the both of them? Three were nominated, but only one walked away a loser. Right. It's like, everybody gets to the candy <laughs> war that night except Alfred Lunt for the Guardsman. Right, right. It's an honor to be nominated, though. <laughs> not, Seriously. Maybe not in that category in maybe that year. Not. Yeah. Yeah, woof. <laughs> So let me, Actually, by the way, Alfred Lunt, the the nominee from that year who did not win, was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I'm just saying. All right. Well, there you go. So I, I'm going to give the tightest plot recap in oh. perhaps, spoiler alert, history. Oh, Grand, okay. Ho- Grand Hotel is a movie set over a few days in Berlin at the Berlin Grand Hotel where the stories of a handful of adults intersect and don't in interesting and not interesting ways. Mostly not. Mostly <laughs> over the course of a few days. And that's Grand Hotel. What you, what is that was pretty tight. That, that had to have been a record. That, that's definitely tight but for before you, we, I agree. Before we jump into it, 
I, I will also point out, in keeping with this really tight plot synopsis, that this movie is actually referenced now cinematically to refer to a movie like perhaps a crash. They call it a grand hotel type story when there's a bunch of disparate characters whose stories intersect throughout and some characters end up knowing each other, have a relationship that they didn't even know existed, that kind of thing. This was sort of the the first. This was the birth of that type of movie. Interesting. Yeah. And, and you get the sense of that right away. I mean, within the first, called five, six minutes of this movie... You get, I got that sense that this is that type of film. I wrote, is this the first vignette film? Yeah. Like Crash or Pulp Fiction where you're – there's not going to be a traditional one, you know, top top uh, leading character, leading actor, leading actress through the whole thing. We're going to sort of bounce around. And uh, I thought that was interesting. And a while back we did Isle of Dogs and you had joked about the long list of Academy Award nominees in the cast. I did. This was another one of those that all-star acting movies and perhaps maybe why it ended up winning Best Picture because the actors are the largest branch of the Academy, always have been, and they were all in this movie. (laughs) <laughs> all of them. All of them were there. Yeah. I mean, it, it does have Greta Garbo in it. It does have uh, who? Lionel Barrymore. John, or John Barrymore. Barrymore and, La- and Lionel Barrymore. And Lionel Barrymore. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Joan Crawford. So I mean, this there there were some some heavy hitters in this movie for Abs- sure. Absolutely. What? So what did you think of it? Now that we're, now that we're six minutes in here, uh, I did not enjoy the film. Okay. I just so I, I just. Uh, I just couldn't find anybody to, to really care about, and I kept waiting for something interesting to happen, and I just really couldn't find it. It's funny that you say that, because that is like the opening and closing line of the film, right? The, right? the doctor sitting in the lobby, shaking his head about the Grand Hotel, people coming, people going, nothing ever happens. Now, of course, the line is uttered, and it's supposed to be kind of ironic, because really, behind the scenes, so much is happening, right? There's... There's romance, there's a man about to die, there's a woman on the brink of suicide, a murder actually occurs in the hotel. I mean, it's, there's actually a, quite a bit going on, uh, you know, just, it's all, it's all in the small scale of each person's individual life there, right? Their own sort of sad story or what's most important to them in the grand scheme of things doesn't make a whole lot of difference. I actually... I like the movie. I haven't seen it a ton. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it a ton, but I did see it a while back. I've probably revisited it three, four times. I Really? I enjoy it. I, I think that there's just something that is interesting to me about hotels. Like, I, I travel a lot for work. Uh, I like to travel with my family for fun. And I find hotels just generally an energetic, exciting environment. And so the movie shot in the hotel, I think, is really cool. But one thing I did note this time watching it, to your point about nobody to really care for or get interested in, what I found is any time I did care for somebody, then they'd almost certainly do something really quickly that made me just sort of shake my head and not be interested in them as a character anymore. I Like, everybody does something that makes them so weird that they do become, you almost can't care for anybody here. Even though there's points that I think there's great acting that makes me like them, they just blow it. So the the movie it, it is an adaptation of a play, and it felt very much like a play. I mean, the, the camera never leaves the hotel. We're just in the hotel the whole time, and 
you know, on the one sense, you could say that sort of makes the hotel a character and the goings on and the machinations of the hotel. But I just was bored and it wasn't interesting, I thought, visually. And I felt like there was a competition to see which character was the most sad. You know, is it the dying bookkeeper who's sort of pathetic and nebbishy and dying? Is it the morose doctor who's always asking if there are messages for him and there never are and who also had a weird facial injury from the war? Right. Was it the textile businessman who's desperately trying to save his business through a merger so much so that he'll lie and then immediately try to cheat on his wife and then murder someone? Was it the sad ballerina who's just sort of wallowing in self-pity because not many people are lining up to see her dance. Right, right. So it was like, oh boy. I mean, just a bunch of sad sacks. Yeah. yeah the yeah. the one interesting character is was John Barrymore who played the Baron who is sort of a uh not necessarily washed up, but he he's destitute, right? So he sort of gets by playing cards and occasionally robbing people in the hotel. And so he was sort of interesting until he is robbing the ballerina and then falls in love with her <laughs> from behind a curtain as he listens to her lament her sad state. I just thought, this is both the creepiest and the most only-in-a-movie thing that's ever happened in a movie. And so it's just so fakey that you're like, well, I, I wrote down, we can just move on from all of this nonsense. I wrote down, there's nothing hotter than a woman you need to save. Like, what, what is he While getting off on her. there? Yeah, like, I mean, like, any any woman that was that down on life, I would steer clear from in a big hurry. Well, and then he, he comes out from behind the curtain. He says, don't be alarmed. I'm <laughs> I was just, just a man <laughs> who's been hiding in your room. And then he tries to make it sound more appealing by saying, I come here sometimes just to breathe the air that you've breathed and to be in your presence. It's like, oh, so you're not just a thief. You're a stalker. Great. Great. I was was really worried when I just figured you were robbing me and probably have a knife. But now that I know you're also sniffing my pheromones, we're, right. we're in a much better place. You're drinking my bath water right. and like eating my toenail clippings. <laughs> now I'm now I'm totally swooning. Don't for be you. alarmed. I'm just a man who is hiding in your room. That's the line. I mean, it was the most outrageous. But then he legitimately and for a while you think, okay, he's just saying these things because a he's got to get out of the room and b he's still trying to rob her. But later he tells another character. That he fell in love last night. Right. For real. Right. Legit. Like, it was like, what? Oh, you were serious? Like, well, you were... You acted like you were just trying to rob her, but then you acted like maybe you were whacking it in her musty drapes, and then you're like, nope, I was actually just falling in love. It was so, and it, cause so he tell, ridiculous. Because he tells the, the uh, Joan Crawford character, whom he'd like... You know, planned a date with the night before that he had right. fallen around. Like so, right. so this guy's really this guy's jumping around a lot, right? Yeah, and she's totally into him. She's like, I got a date with the Baron. Yeah, she's ready right. to go. And it's like, nope, never mind. Fell in love last night. Yeah, I also got a little bit distracted. I don't know if you noticed these a lot, and I'm certain it wasn't the copy that I was watching. I saw I watched it on Blu-ray this time, but there's a lot of those old. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> there's a lot of those old-timey movie editing errors like not just like continuity errors but like gaps of a second or two you know where they're getting up to walk across the room and then they're there instantly and you're like (laughs) 
Oh man, like it just makes me sort of sad that you can't preserve film all that well. And probably by the time they tried, this one had just been lost to lost to history. Yeah, I'm sure it was fine back in 1932. But you're right; it does sort of raise the specter of film is not a permanent medium, right? And unless right. it's well cared for and preserved, and you know now digitally archived and reproduced, it's all gonna just fade and burn. Yeah. What's up with Joan Crawford's character being called the, um, I think she's referred to as the stenographer. And I think it must be the first and only time that a character is billed as the stenographer the st- before the title of the film. Joan Crawford <laughs> as the stenographer. It's like, what? I think the way you have to say that is if every other movie has a stenographer. Below Not, but title. in this one, it's this Joan Crawford. Title. Right. right. <laughs> it's, uh, what's up with the dancer in one scene sniffing her ballet oh, shoes? Weird. I swear to God, she took she took a strong yep. whiff yep. out of that thing. That's no. not good. I mean, you're dancing in those things. Like, you don't sniff your running shoes, right? No. But what's up? With, so the, the whole thing is the Baron is trying to steal uh, a set of pearls. How expensive is a string of pearls that he's got like this massive <laughs> cat burglar operation going? Because and, and like the bellboy's in on it too, right? Like, one like of the, a driver, the driver. driver. But the driver then says, well, if we can't get her out of the room, I'll just use chloroform on a hanky. Oh, no. And the Baron's like, no, 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 no. I've done that before. It doesn't work out so well. <laughs> like, these guys just tossed around the idea of chloroforming a woman like it's nothing. No, no, what, what I'll do is just take an axe to her skull. What What's up with how, how these... I'll char- just fall in love with her and she'll <laughs> offer them to me. So so for so for a second, let's, let's forget about the creepy, I was just a man in your room scene. After like two days... All these characters that have met each other seem to walk in and each in and out of each other's rooms like it's nothing. Right. Like like they have no qualms about walking in at any moment and chatting with somebody and then leaving and going through the door that connects to the other room, even though they might have met earlier that afternoon. That's sort of a that's more like a a third trip together kind of friendliness where you can just go <laughs> right. in their room. Right. You know, I totally agree. I I do think, but though the one thing you pointed out is they, they these characters just met each other. And they really become connected and in a way that doesn't happen to me in hotels. And it was probably the one thing I enjoyed about the movie is that the Baron, who I guess lives at this hotel, which is, you know, one of those throwback things. Where Another old lived thing. At yeah, a hotel. Right, right. That when the, the dying man, Otto Kringelen, comes to town, that the Baron just gets to know him and sort of adopts him and takes this him out buddy. carousing yeah, yeah. and calls him like good old Kringlin. And <laughs> he, he's buying him cocktails and they're always like, oh, Kringlin, you old horse trader, you. And, and it's like they're all good buddies. And, you know, when I go to a hotel, sometimes you see like people, you know, like a couple times during your stay, or especially if you're there on business. You know, maybe like the fourth time you might like nod. Right, right, right. I, I know you. It. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, oh, hey. That's about it. Like, you're not going out carousing with them. I've been coming to the same hotel in Dallas for five years, 
and there had been another person coming from Houston working for a completely different company in a completely different industry. And we literally saw each other in the lounge every day for two years. And then like one time just introduced ourselves like, hey, I see you around here a lot. You know, like that. it, it took two to years yeah, to say hello. And they back then, I guess you could just become best buds in a weekend. And Kringlin's there. It's like his second day in the hotel. Yeah. And he's already best buddies with the Baron and he's living it up and he's drinking a whatever that cocktail was. It was like the Kentucky. The K- Kentucky Slammer or whatever. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Kentucky Sipper. Yeah. Then, but, but there's a really weird scene between the two of them too where Kringlein keeps referring to the Baron as the Baron to the Baron. Like he keeps saying, well, what would the Baron like to do tonight? And, right. I, and I just thought that's a really weird way to talk to somebody once you've now become best buds. Like, well, that's like the, you and I knew a guy in college who referred to himself in the third person. Uh, also Very weird. unsettling. Very but, and, unsettling. This is, this is very similar to that. Yeah. And, and what's up with the stenographer at the bar? Did she order absinthe? When, yes. when he tries to get her to buy, have like one of those Kentucky sippers or whatever it is, doesn't she get a f***ing absinthe? Totally. What's up with that same scene when the Baron walks up? He walks up to the bar and only his head clears the bar. <laughs> it must be either the tallest bar of all time or the Baron was like four foot six. But they shot him from weird angles the rest of the movie. I actually paused it and just laughed out loud because it just was such a funny – the composition of the shot. It's like good old oh, Kringlin, awesome. Flemish and the stenographer, and there's the head of the Baron. Very weird. That's great. What's up, what's up with what a floozy Flemshin is? Oh. So this is Joan Crawford's the stenographer. She is talking to um, Prizing, the uh, the businessman, the textile guy, the jerk who's going to cheat on his wife. And she very much intimates that she will travel with him to another city, that he needs to buy a bunch of clothes for her, give her some money. She then agrees to spend the night at the hotel in his room – and he's saying all this stuff like you're going to be nice to me now, right? Like we're going to be we're going to be friendly. Yeah. And then only after he kills the baron and is escorted out by the police, she then agrees to just go with good old Kringlin cuz he's suddenly flush with cash. Right. <laughs> and is willing to like ride out his last days with him just traveling around to the next grand hotel. That I found that whole plot point so weird and disturbing. She's crazy. That was a a really like a a really loose character I thought or or it was implied that she was and for 1932 I felt like that was quite a uh, risque thing to do right yeah I would think so too I mean th- that always sort of makes me feel a little bit gross too just seeing that that like willingness to I mean she's okay with the fact that he's cheating on his wife he's totally okay with it just it, th- those those sort of throwaway plot points are disturbing what's up with the death scene i mean when when prizing grabs a telephone and beats baron to death with it i thought well there's no way they just killed the baron right and then did the baron just die is he really dead telephones were awfully heavy back then he he seriously died and i just thought that is so shocking that that's how they would end it and there was a movie we watched recently where you thought one of the main characters was was going to be killed. And I, I also laughed at the thought of it because it was like, like the main character and in like the first it, 10 it minutes. It was Black Panther. It was Black Panther. I was like, oh, yes. wow, they yes. got me. 
Yes, you thought they they killed Black Panther. Two thirds of the way through Black Panther. I I thought they were they're giving me the rope a dope. You know, they were giving you the old Grand Hotel. <laughs> I thought they were giving you the Baron. I, I think I referred to it as like the Alfred Hitchcock psycho and Janet Lee. Because he did that. I now let's, maybe they we'll just it. call it the Baron from Grand <laughs> Hotel from now on. What's up with, at the at near the end, there's also a drunk guy in a top hat who gets off the elevator. He, he just gets off the elevator, turns around, and then falls. <laughs> That's, and I think that's when they're taking the body out. It was I, like it's such an inap- inappropriate time to have like a pratfall drunk Monopoly guy, but that's clearly what it was. Plus, I got this, the sense that that scene was in the morning, too, that they were taking the body out. So, yeah, yeah. Like, this guy's hammered at like 6 or 7 o'clock. Not, right, he's been out all night. Right, right. Buddy, are you ready for five questions? Yeah, bring them on. All right, we've got five listener-submitted questions uh, about Thanks, Grand, Grand Hotel. First question you've actually already addressed. How big a tramp was this Flemshin? Huge. Yeah. She... Implied huge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, question number two. What the hell is a baron? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know what that is. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, we move on. We'll... Okay. Uh, question number Are you going to fact check that? Are you going to get an answer to that? Uh, we'll get it. We'll post it in the show notes. Question number three. Wait, I write the show notes, so no, we're not. Are, oh, you're not. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. If you do that, we'll do that. This is why they make Google. Uh, a baron <laughs> is a member of the lowest order of the British nobility. The term baron is not used as a form of address in Britain, barons usually being referred to as lord. Or a member of a foreign nobility having a rank similar to that of a baron or a person who holds, held lands or property from the sovereign or a powerful overlord. Oh, it's a landed gentleman. We'll go with, with British nobility. That, okay. Is that good? We're good? Okay. Sure. Question number three. Can you please explain what is so fantastic about John Barrymore's profile? No. Is that a thing? It's totally a thing. His nickname was The Profile and like the whole family, like... Like, even Drew Barrymore is referred to as having her great-grandfather's profile or whatever. That, Do you like, think his nickname was really the profiler? Like, he was actually, like, <laughs> like a profiler? Like, he worked for, like, the FBI's behavioral science unit? and That's, that's probably it. That just, <laughs> through time, <laughs> kind of got lost. <laughs> Number four. Variety, said the film, may not entirely please the theatergoers who are fascinated by its deft stage direction and restrained acting, but it will attract and hold the wider public to which it is now addressed. Huh? What? What? That's what Variety wrote in 1932? That's what they said, yeah. (laughs) This is no Grand Hotel stage play, but it's almost better. Where the stage directions are really something. Yeah, right. Typically, uh, you don't see, read, or experience the <laughs> stage directions. Well, you experience them. Oh, touche. Touche, right. fair enough. Good right. point, Variety. I stand corrected. Wait, can we go back to... Was John Barrymore was really called The Profile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, I, I mean, I don't... Uh, he's called The Great Profile. Oh, That's totally different. The Great totally Profile. Totally different, yep, yep. I've heard that. But I don't know what's so great about it. I've never heard that. I was just making that up. That sounds made up. I'm not making this one up. And okay. uh, final question. 
How sad was that poor guy's life that when diagnosed with a terminal illness, the greatest thing he can think of to do is to check into a hotel and play cards. Pretty sad. But but he lived it up. He also met a baron, went carousing, won thousands of dollars from a bunch of other fat cats in his hotel room. He's apparently going to get it on with the stenographer now. Right, right. He cried when they all tried to leave. That was a very sad scene as well. He was begging people to stay in his hotel room. Also, what's up early in the film when he asks Flemshin if she wants to see his bathroom because it has both hot and cold running water? (laughs) This is some hotel. Don't. Don't this be alarmed. I'm, I'm not going to assault you. I just want to take you into my bathroom to show you how the water is. Don't be alarmed. Don't worry, I'm dying. And that's five questions. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. Uh, I'm, shocked that, I'm shocked that enough people have seen this movie to submit questions. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. What, uh, f- final thoughts. What, uh, uh, hard to say if the Academy got it right. I don't think I've seen anything else on this list. No, I hadn't either. You know, I... It's one of those movies where I can say, okay, I've saw, I've seen it, I've experienced it, I can knock it off the list. Um, I don't, I will never need to see it again. I mean, so the "I want to be alone" line is in the AFI's 100 Years of Movie Quotes as number 30. Um, really? The film 30? 10 years ago, the film was selected by for preservation in the United States by the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. Uh, it was remade as Weekend at the Waldorf in 1945. As Weekend at Bernie's, yeah. There, there, there was a stage musical as recently as 1989. Uh, they were going to remake it a again. A musical? Yeah, uh, an actual stage musical, not a, not a film musical. Sure. Um, it was considered to be remade again in the 70s, taking place at Las Vegas' MGM Grand Hotel. So it hits the lists, right? I mean, not only... This isn't a throwaway Best Picture winner that nobody remembers. This is one that people consider to be historically significant. (laughs) But it wasn't nominated for anything else. It's significant because it... It's all it's remembered for is winning Best Picture and nothing else. (laughs) Well, that quote... Cult, it's, it's the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, or how aesthetically is, significant. How is the quote, I want to be alone, A, memorable, B, one of the top 100 movie quotes of all time, and C, 30th on that list? I think that Greta Garbo actually had like a, a weird sort of needing to be alone kind of personality, and so perhaps it was seen as... Uh, you know, being the right character, playing the right part. Plus, she's she's the most dramatic character of the film, you know, melodramatic character of the film. So I don't know. I I can't answer that for you. You have to ask the AFI, which we will on our next episode. Which we will. We'll get them on. Let's do yes. that. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I can cross another one off the list. I'm glad we saw it. I'm glad we got a chance to discuss it. I already look forward to our next best picture. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.